All right. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you again for our time on Sunday is the Lord's Day. Thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ that love you and love one another with agape love. And, and now, Lord, as we open your scriptures once again, we are reminded that we need the Holy Spirit of truth to teach us. We're reminded from last Sunday that we're not just to listen to the word, but we're to be doers of the word. And so, Father, uh, we give this time to you now. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And now uh, speak to us as only you can. And all God's people said, Amen. Last Sunday, we asked the question, what am I supposed to do with God's truth? Right? We've been in this series on truth. We've signed a set of the issue that God's word is truth, that there is objective, absolute truth apart from us. Ultimately, that truth is revealed to us through God's word, scripture. We asked the question last week, what are we supposed to do with it? So what are we supposed to do with this? Right? I, I asked you, I shared with you last week, you know, what, what's a sermon? Because right now you're, you're all either enjoying or maybe enduring another one. Right? A sermon. Well, isn't that when the pastor gets up and just kind of talks? Talks about God or talks about the church or talks about this? Or t- is, that when the, is that what a sermon is when the pastor just talks about something? So what is a sermon? And, and then more, more specifically, what are you supposed to do with it? What are you supposed to do? You know, at the end of this, uh, in about 30 minutes, right, we're going to sing a closing song and, and sort of uh, uh, like an illustration, like a football game, right? What do they do after every, after every play? They, they call a huddle, right? They huddle, and if you've never played football in the huddle, they give out the next play. And everyone says, break. They go take their positions, and everyone, based on what they heard in the huddle, fulfills their responsibilities, and hopefully... All goes well, and the ball continues to march down the field. I don't know if any of you ever thought that church, what you're about to experience in a sermon, is sort of like a huddle. We all huddle, and instead of the quarterback relaying the play that came in from the sidelines, we huddle around God's Word. And my calling and my privilege and my responsibility is to Preach the Word, not my opinion, not my speculation, but preach God's Word, truth. And at the end, what do we do? We go, ready, break. Okay, I'm going to say it. Everyone's going to clap and say, ready, break. Okay, we break. Many of you hit donuts, right? Many of you hit donuts and cupcakes. But here's the thing. In football, when we go ready, break, and everyone takes their position it's about to get real there's going to be about five to ten seconds of extreme violence and speed and craziness chaos once the ball is snapped we huddle hour and 15 ish we break we go get donuts and then you head to your car and it's about to get real that's when it begins. See, football isn't about the huddling. Football is about those moments after the huddle when you heard the word and now your responsibility is go fulfill your duties according to what you just heard. When we gather and you hear a sermon and we go, ready, okay, that was just me, okay, and we go, ready, 
break. We head out there. And we're all responsible to fulfill our responsibilities based on what you just heard from the coach. The head coach. Right? And then next Sunday, Lord willing, we gather. How'd that go? How'd you you do on that week? And we huddle again. And we, we play comes in. My duty is to faithfully and accurately and rightfully and correctly give it to you. And we go, ready? And we go do it again. We go do it again. So we're supposed to do something with this thing, right? I showed you last Sunday, my brother Mike Glennon collected all the sermon notes from 2010. The beginning of this church. This is it. This is it. And we asked a question last Sunday. Is our Christian faith about accumulation or application? Are we supposed to just go and you got another one if you got, right? So even from last week, there's probably two you can add to this stack and just keep accumulating. Is that what we're supposed to do? Nothing wrong with Bible studies during the week. Nothing wrong with listening to the radio. I'm, please don't, don't misinterpret that. Nothing wrong with reading Christian books. But if you're doing it just to accumulate, that's dangerous. Because what you're teaching yourself is disobedience. What Inadvertently, what you're teaching yourself is, I'm supposed to accumulate, but I don't have to do anything with it. I shared with you, Last Sunday, it's like someone who audits a university class. Hey, professor, can I audit your class? What does that mean? I'm going to sit and I'm going to enjoy your lectures. But as an auditor, I don't have to do the assignments or take the tests. Is that what we do on Sundays? Do we audit sermons? And then the accountability part, the, the, the doing is optional? What are we supposed to do with God's truth, right? And so in James chapter 1, right, we'll read it really fast. Do not merely listen to James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, okay, freedom, and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Okay, so one of the things that we looked at last Sunday is, have you been deceived? There's a deception rampant in the church that all you have to do is come and listen to the pastor. All you have to do is come and sit under somebody. And if you sit under somebody, you're good to go. That's the deception. Just listening and just hearing. That's a deception. He says, no, 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 no. There's a difference between being a listener and a disciple. Listener and a disciple. John 8, 31, Jesus says, if you continue in my word, which means if you continue to hear it and do it, then you're my disciple. Then you're my disciple. Okay, so James, last week, are we deceived? Okay. Have you been deceived? Have you kind of slid into, whew, boy, that was a good one. Anyone ever say that? Right? And I say it too. Hey, that was a good sermon.
right? And I shared with you the tension I have as a pastor because I'm supposed to give you something new every Sunday. All the while wondering what you did with last Sundays. Right? Right? So, James 1.22. And then it says, we've had fun, right? He gave, James gave you the illustration of the mirror. And looking out there, all of you listened to your mirror. Right? We've talked about this, right? Your mirror said, shave. Your mirror said, brush your hair. Your mirror said, change your clothes, right? And probably without question, without hesitation this morning, you simply did what your mirror said. You just did it. You're just trained. Mirror says do something, you do it. Why? For your benefit? Because you you don't want to show up at church looking like you did at 6 a.m., right? Right? So, So we listen to our mirrors, and what he's saying, what James is saying, hey, the Word of God is simply God's spiritual mirror. And He loves you so much that through His truth, He's going to show you things in your life that need to be brushed. They need to be washed. They need to be changed. Right? That's, that's what the Word of God is. It's a spiritual mirror. And He says that word forget. Remember, I told you last week. It's not that this person in James has a bad memory. What He says is, He's like a person that heard a sermon... But the minute you broke and you had your donut and you went home, the priorities of life suddenly swept in and what you heard during that sermon got pushed way down on the priority list and so you forgot about it. Anyone in your life ever have so many things to do that what you thought you were going to do, you forgot? You do all this stuff, you get home, hey, did you buy milk? Oh, can't believe the milk that was on the top of the list but i got sidetracked and this and this and this and suddenly you get home and the first thing that you thought you was most important you just forgot not because you have a bad memory but this wave of other priorities came in that is what happens in our life with the word of god if we're not careful we listen to it god reveals something through his spiritual mirror you're like oh yes i'm gonna go home that's what i want to work on break Red velvet, hit the car. Where are we going for lunch? What do we got this afternoon? Oh, man, I got... uh, Backyard's a mess, or... Oh, I got to wash the car. And suddenly, before noon, before noon, the world's priorities have come in, and what God said to you before you left here, you didn't forget it. It just got pushed down on the priorities list. Okay? Somebody have to guard against. Somebody have to guard against. So what are we supposed to do? We're going to continue. Go to Ephesians. We're going to ask, ask the question and look at it in another way. Go to Ephesians. So James told us we're supposed to be doers of the word. We're supposed to do the word, right? Look at Ephesians 4. In context, Paul is talking about in uh, 14, we're going to read 15, he's talking about being infants and being tossed back and forth by waves of doctrine and not being mature in, in doctrine and truth, right? Ephesians 4:15 says this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. Let's go back to verse 14 and we'll just give you some context. It says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, 
speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ. This phrase, speaking the truth in love, how many of you have ever gone to somebody and said, Hey, brother, I have to speak something to you in love. Anyone ever do that? You've heard this verse and you have something to share and you're not sure how they're going to receive it. So you, someone says, hey, the Bible says you have to speak the truth in love. Right? You can sort of get that application from this verse, but that's not really what this verse is talking about. It's very important, right? In the context, Paul is talking about maturity. He's talking about being mature in your faith. He's talking about being mature in the truth. Right? That's what the contrast to verse 14. When he says there, speaking the truth in love, right? That word, that phrase or the word speaking the truth is actually one word in the Greek, right? And it's in there in notes. Your notes right there says, my words and life are to express and confirm the truth. What is the truth? God's word. So when it says speaking the truth, it's not just saying something in a sensitive way to someone, right? It says speaking the truth My words and life are to express and confirm the truth. Speaking right there means your whole life. Your whole life. It means people are listening and watching you and how you live speaks. You've heard me say oftentimes that that wonderful quote, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. So when it says speaking the truth, what he is saying is your life, how you live 24-7, should confirm, validate, reflect God's truth. That's how you speak. You're speaking all the time. The question is, what are people hearing? It's kind of weighty. It's kind of weighty. There's another phrase, you're the only Bible that some people will ever read. Right? Right? Speaking the truth means our life should constantly be confirming, validating, affirming God's truth. And there's a wonderful example in Jesus, right? In John 1, Jesus is called, in the beginning was the word, right? What do words do? What's the purpose of words? To convey, what else? Communicate. Edify. Okay, so words, we use words to convey a message, to communicate, to express ourselves, right? Jesus is called the Word. So Jesus was supposed to communicate, convey, express what? Turn to John. Turn to John. John 14. So in John 1, Jesus is called the Word. It says the Word was made flesh, right? So we know it refers to Jesus. John 14. Let's start in verse 8. Philip said, John 14, 8. Philip said, Lord, he's talking to Jesus, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen who? The Father. 
How can you say, show us the Father? See, Jesus is called the Word because He was sent to convey, communicate, reveal God's nature to us humans. So by Jesus' life, not just His words, by His life, if all these people wanted to say, hey man, what is God all about? What is this God all about? Jesus says, just look at my life. If you've seen me, you've seen the nature of God. You've seen what He's like. Question, believers. If someone has seen us, what is that communicated about the Father? Could we say, you know, if someone said, Hey, Daryl, you're a Christian, right? Daryl, what's this whole Christian thing all about, man? Hopefully we would say, well, if you've seen my life, you've seen what Christianity is all about. That's why you read your Bible. That's why you obey. That's why, yeah, it's just, yeah, if you've seen me. See, we're called to speak the truth. Our lives are constantly in this valley at home at school at work at you know in your neighborhood your life my life is constantly speaking something the question is is it speaking the truth is it speaking the truth does it affirm does it confirm does it validate god's word could we say hey if you've seen me you've seen the father compassion integrity his we're to reveal his characteristics. Right? Ephesians, he tells us in Ephesians, imitate, hey, as dear children, imitate your father. We're called to be imitators of our heavenly father. The most powerful witness that this valley will ever have is a body of believers that just speaks the truth in their life. That just speaks the truth. Anybody here ever try to, quote-unquote, share the truth with you, but you sat there and said, but I know how you live. As a youth pastor, I had to deal with that. I would have people who, wanna, who wanted to, over the, in the years past, wanted to be on the worship team. And, you know, you're like, okay, okay. And you, you ask around and say, they want to be on the worship team? Really? I know what they do on Friday nights after the Nordoff game. You see? They didn't understand that people are watching and listening and observing. And so what are we supposed to do with God's truth according to Ephesians 4.15? Just speak it. Just speak it. By your life. By your life. And what he says there, in love, right? In love. Corinthians says, without love, you're a clanging symbol, right? You need love. Right? And what's very important, let's turn to Philippians 1. Turn to Philippians 1. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. So, we're to speak it. Okay, James tells us we're to be doers of God's truth. Okay, not hearers only. Ephesians 4.15 says we're to be speaking the truth, which is our whole life. Our whole life, okay? Not just our words. In love. Now, the world, and we've talked about this in the past, the world wants to define love as what? Very emotional. 
very touchy-feely, very, you know. Anyone ever hear the phrase, love is blind? Right, which means, oh, it's all about emotion. Check your brain at the door, right? I love, look at, look at Philippians 1.9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound, okay, abound, more and more in what? Knowledge and depth of insight. Here's the thing. Here's what keeps our, our love focused on what it needs to be. Love in the church is based on, is rooted in truth. Look, it says here, again, that my, your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. This isn't just about touchy-feely. On Sundays, we feel good, amen? In Sundays, Sundays and baptisms and men's, we, we enjoy fellowship. The emotions are there, but it's because it's rooted in truth. It's rooted in the foundation of God's Word. It's rooted that we're, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? The reason God, I believe, and I, I just believe this, God is moving so powerfully in this local body is that we have settled the score that this is truth. We live it and we love it. We live it and we love it. And then, God kind of takes care of the rest. That's what we do, right? And here's, here's the great thing. Turn to Matthew 5, right? So we do it in love, but our love isn't just touchy-feely blind. Our love is rooted in truth. And here's what happens. Not only do we grow spiritually, but we become these wonderful witnesses. Matthew 5. Matthew 5.13 You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light, everyone say my light, in the same way, let my light shine before men that they may see my good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Last week we talked, it's not legalism, it's loving obedience. And here's the great thing. As you lovingly obey, as you speak the truth, as you do the truth, here's the thing, you become salt. You are light. And here's the great thing. They see you and they glorify God. How many of you would love to glorify God? Look at verse 16. Let your light shine before men that they may see what? See what? Your good deeds, loving obedience. And they're going to praise your Father in heaven. Just by lovingly obeying, by doing the truth, by being a doer, by speaking the truth, in the totality of my life, God gets the glory. You are salt and light by default. You really are. Isn't that awesome? You just get, we leave here, ready, break. We're just going to go lovingly obey what we just heard. And in the loving obedience empowered by the Holy Spirit, you are salt, you are light, and people in this valley are going, man, that God must be real. What got into so-and-so? Veronica, you got what? Baptized? What? If you didn't catch on, her, her baptism was loving obedience. 
Being baptized is loving obedience. And when you did that, not only did you glorify and edify God, but you edified this body. Anyone who came was edified. And it spoke to your family and friends out there who were like, what? You did what? You see what I'm saying? Loving obedience in and of itself has trickle-down effects. Just lovingly obey Him. Lovingly obey Him in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then watch God use you. How many of you would love to be used by God? We all would. And here's a glorious thing. You just got to speak the truth. Meaning live. Live in love. Everyone say live and love. Live and love the truth. In the power of the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2 says, God says, it is God who works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. God works in you through the Holy Spirit to give you the will and to give you the power to what? Lovingly obey. Isn't that crazy? And as you do, you get blessed, according to James. You get blessed. It's absolutely mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling. So, what are we supposed to do with God's truth? According to James, we're supposed to do what it says, the mirror. According to Ephesians, we're supposed to just be speaking it. Just leave here, live your life, and know that you're speaking. You're speaking. Right? The challenge is, some, for some of us, is to break out of accumulation mode. To break out of church mode. To break out of, well, oh, yeah, that was a good sermon. Oh, not as good as last week. You know, the auditor mode. Right? That's the challenge. And it's a challenge for, especially for those who have been in church for a while. That was a good one. Right? It's so much beyond accumulation. It's so much about... And, and for me, there was a time I, I was a Christian for probably about a year. And I went through a school of evangelism. And they prepared us for this mission trip. We're going to, I shared this with you before. We are going to the Philippines. And the southern island of the Philippines where they told us there were uh, communist guerrillas in this area that weren't too thrilled with Christians and weren't going to be too thrilled with us coming to share. And so we went, we went to the city, and we were kind of in this base, which felt really kind of safe. The next day, they said, hey, we're going to send a team out into the jungle. You and you are going. Me and my one of my good friends, classmates. What do you say? Oh, okay. We climb on this Jeep. And I've been married of like a month. Married a month, heading to the jungle, where they told us people aren't going to be happy that we're there. And I'll never forget, I was... Me and my friend, I don't know what was going through his mind, but I didn't even want to talk to him. I was on this Jeep, and I was just staring. And this whole drive, it was quite a drive, because it was out in the bush. And suddenly, it wasn't about school, and it wasn't about going to another church service. I was literally confronted with this real fear slash possibility that I was going into a hostile territory and I had no control over what was about to happen. And I was going into this uh, village simply because I was a believer in Christ. 
And whatever might happen in this village was simply going to happen because I was a believer in Christ. And at one of those moments, it was a moment in my life that I, that I, I refer back to oftentimes because ministry, even in this country, brings you to those moments sometimes where you have to make decisions, hard decisions. And on that drive, I had to settle the issue. Are you really into this thing, man? Are you, are you really? Are you, are you legit? Do you really believe this? Or is it just more school to you, man? Is this just more school? Is this just playing church? Because whether or not you like it, Richie, you're on a Jeep. And this is now very real. And it was a long Jeep ride, and you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, you know me, I'll be honest with you. I got off, we got to this village, and I was scared to death. And we were supposed to go visit these huts. And I just, I just, I, I honestly, I was so scared, I couldn't even, I couldn't even engage. I kind of hung back and just kind of watched everything, because I was overwhelmed, like, this is real. This is, this is very real right now. And, and, and I kind of made it through, and I went back with, with my buddy, and, and years later in ministry, there have been times when I've been called to take steps of faith and obedience with my family and my wife and kids, and God has said and asked me the same question. Is this real, man? You trust me. You trust me, man. And those steps of obedience when, when I was just as scared and just as nervous as I was on that Jeep and having to make decisions about where to go minister and stepping out in faith and obedience to God's Word, God used that little Jeep ride to say, it's just as real in the States. And it's just as real for all of you. When it comes to, to just walking in loving obedience, I'll be honest, it's tough. And here, it's not even tough. Let me just tell you. It's impossible. And so I want to let you off the hook. If you're struggling with an area of obedience in your life, the number one thing you can say to God, it's impossible. Isn't that liberating? Because how many of you beat yourself up over disobedience? Oh my gosh, I can't believe. Right? How could you do that again, Cindy? <laughs> Bad Cindy, bad Cindy, right? I mean, we're, 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 we're the worst. We're the worst, right? And, let, and we'll close with this. Turn to John 15. We're the worst at, at just, we just beat ourselves up, beat ourselves up, beat ourselves up. And God's like, no, I want you to lovingly obey me. I want you to be a doer of my word. I want you to speak the truth. But here's the key to it, guys. John 15. Here's, here, here's how we do it. John 15, verse 5. Right, starting verse, we'll read 4 and 5. John 15, verse 4 and 5. Jesus is talking. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Turn to your neighbor and said, you can't do a thing. How many of you feel good about that truth? How many will receive that truth? That's liberating. Jesus already said it about you. You might as well accept it. Oh, no, Jesus. I got this one. 
Okay. Take another lap. No, I got it, Jesus. I got it this time. This time, I got it. How many of us are just at a place where we we just want to say, Jesus, you're right. I can't do a thing. And what he says, okay, admit it and just abide in me. And if you abide in me, the indwelling Holy Spirit is going to transform you and you're going to bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit. But the person that's got to get out of the way is who? Right? So I share this with you and I close with this because what are we supposed to do with God's truth? Yes, we're supposed to be a doer. Yes, we're supposed to speak it, but not in our own power. Not in our own effort. Not in our own energy. What we're supposed to do is make the commitment to be a doer. Make a commitment to be a speaker of the truth and then admit, Jesus, I need you. Because you say without you I can do nothing. So I want to be a doer. I want to be a speaker. Please do it in and through me. Amen? That's how it happens. The power of the Holy Spirit. Just empowering you. Bearing fruit. Being salt, light, and glorifying God. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank You. Your Word is truth. John 17, 17 says we're sanctified by the truth. James 1 says we're to be doers of the truth. Ephesians 4 says we're supposed to speak the truth. But we're reminded in John 15 of ourselves we can do nothing. But if we abide and remain in You, we will bear much fruit. And that's why I'm so thankful we can take communion every Sunday. Because it brings us back to the cross. It brings us back to grace. It brings us back to acknowledging that there was nothing we could do to earn salvation. We simply had to receive Your gift. In that same heart of submission and surrender, Lord, we want to walk daily with You in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we hold these cups... Would you remind us, Jesus, again, that you heard God's Word and you lovingly obeyed Him. And because of that, through faith in you, we can be saved. And if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says, God's truth says, we are saved by grace, through faith, not by works. We receive God's gift of salvation by putting our faith in Jesus. And then we walk with Jesus. We follow Him by abiding and lovingly obeying His Word. So Father, in this time of communion, would You speak to our hearts about how to be doers of what what You've spoken to us this morning? Jesus, we said to do this in remembrance of You. So we do that now. In Your name. Amen.